0: Shall we pray as we start off this morning? Lord Jesus, we love you so much. So great to be able to sing out our praises to you this morning just to share a little bit of how we feel. We thank you for the words of others that just remind us of what is true, what is good and we just want to again just focus again on that. As we turn to your word now God we pray that you'd be with us. Help us. Thank you Lord for your spirit. We pray send your spirit God upon us. Keep us focused on you, we pray. Amen. So wonderful to be with you guys. This week I heard a fantastic story of someone uh, sharing their testimony of how they came to faith. Very new to faith. This lady was talking about how hard her life had been. Uh, her t- health was terrible. She was um, uh, on the kind of uh, waiting list for a heart transplant because her uh, heart was in such a mess. Uh, and then COVID hit and life just got increasingly difficult. She lost a job her partner, her husband lost his job and before long their their life was kind of absolutely like falling to bits And, uh, and then very very tragically her husband took his own life and at that point she felt she had absolutely nothing to live for so she rang up and took herself off the waiting list for a heart transplant and said I will just wait to die, that's all I have now, I'll just wait to die and then she encountered somebody who began to share and to witness to her about the good news of Jesus, about how Jesus had stepped in and rescued her and saved her at the point when she was at her lowest. And as she shared this good news of Jesus, this woman began to feel something in her her heart that she'd never felt before, a stirring in her heart that led her to choose to believe on Jesus Christ and uh, and chose this good news of Jesus. And she said in that moment her life began to change and she felt like she had something to live for. She felt alive again to the point where she went home and called the NHS and said, please put me back on the waiting list. I need a new heart because I've got something and someone to live for again. I just absolutely loved it when I heard this woman sharing what Jesus had done in her life. And you know what the beautiful thing was? She just hasn't been able to keep her mouth shut. Like she's met so many people and she just can't help but share what Jesus has done in her life. I want to be a person like that. I want to have an infectious uh, faith, an understanding of Jesus that I can't help but share. Today we look at a new series on the book of Acts. Acts is the sequel to the book of Luke. And in it we're going to see detailed that period of time in Christian history between the the resurrection of Jesus and the death of the Apostle Paul. We're going to hear about the forming of the early church and their early missional exploits. This morning we're looking at uh, Acts 1 and 2, 78 verses. I will not be going through it line by line, otherwise we'd be here to tomorrow. I'm going to try and answer this question. What's the difference between a church with power and without? At the end of Luke, we hear about Jesus suffering. And then he is killed upon the cross. And then he has risen from the grave. And right at the start of Acts, Luke records Jesus' final moment before he's going to return to heaven to be with his Father. Those final days where he presents himself to many. In fact, we hear that he's probably... Um, Seen around 500 different people over a 40 day period. And he's giving them proofs all the time that he's real. That he's alive and he's been telling them about the kingdom of his God and his father, uh, the Lord. One day he's eating with his disciples and he gives them these final instructions. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist but for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But the disciples are so excited about what's going on with Jesus right now, they're like desperate to find out what is going to happen next. I almost wonder whether they don't listen to the words of Jesus, they're just fixated on what he's going to do. He's risen from the dead, surely he can never be defeated again, surely he could overtake the Romans, restore the kingdom of Israel, nothing can stop them and so they're like maybe this is what the Holy Spirit is for maybe this is what the power of God is going to be for, a mighty army will rise up and destroy the Romans and Jesus kind of says to them look don't worry about what I'm going to be doing next I've just told you you've got a job to do now get on with it and he gives them this incredible promise, these are his last words on earth let's pay attention verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth you know these are the last words of Jesus and therefore they're going to be important they're not just for the disciples who listened on as they shared a final meal together these are the words for us the disciples who follow those disciples Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is coming and when it comes, you will receive power. That word power means might and strength and ability. It means the power to perform. This is no ordinary power. This is not the power of Boris or Bezo or Bilton. This is not political power like our good friend Boris. This is not financial power like our friend Jeff. Or not even Britain's strongest man, Bilton's power. This is not human strength, but God's strength, this is a gift from God, His power will be given to them. A power given for what purpose? A power that they might witness. A power that they might testify. A power that they might witness to Jesus. Witness for Him and witness about Him. Witness where? They're to witness in Jerusalem, their home, Judea, their city, Samaria, their country, and the ends of the earth. That's everywhere else. Gorton, Manchester, England, the world. The Spirit will be poured upon the disciples and their job is to begin to witness everywhere. The power that they are going to be given has single purpose. The power of the Holy Spirit is to help us, to strengthen us, to empower us, and enable us to do what? To witness to the world about all that Jesus has done. See, I get frustrated because the church in general gets so caught up in the purpose and the point of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus makes it clear here what his Spirit is for. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. I don't know about you, but I need power to witness. I don't naturally like it very much. I don't have the competency needed. I lack confidence, I lack courage, and I often lack conviction. And Jesus is saying, you're going to receive the power that you need in order to do the thing that I want you to do most. I'm going to give you everything you need in order to be able to witness. If you feel like you've got nothing, if you feel like you're unable, know this, Jesus promised to give you the helper To give you the one who would empower you to do the stuff he would have you do. As Jesus finishes his incredible promise something amazing begins to happen because Jesus lifts off the ground and begins to disappear into the clouds. He doesn't even say goodbye. His final words are a promise. His final words are an instruction and then he begins to lift off the ground. And I don't know if it's just my mind but I begin to think like how fast did that happen? (laughs) Like I like to think it was slower than a firework like maybe Mary Poppins speed (laughs) like maybe like a helium balloon when you let go of it and you want to try and catch it again and it's just slightly too fast I imagine Peter's like where are you going Oh, frustrated that Jesus seems to be going somewhere and they stare up in amazement as as they're kind of looking at the bottom of his sandals as he disappears into the clouds going like what is going on But what is he doing right now? Where is he going? And will he come back soon? And you know they're confused because Luke the writer here kind of says, and they're like staring up at the clouds. Staring up at the sky. And you know they're confused because God has to send two angels that come alongside them and go, lads, lads, what are you doing? Don't keep looking at the sky. He's gone. He won't return until the big return, until the final return. And so the disciples kind of get focused again. Then maybe they remember the words of Jesus and they do what they're told. They return to Jerusalem and there they begin to wait. They wait prayerfully. They wait in preparation. They get themselves together. They replace Judas, you know, the one who betrayed Jesus. And there's a real, like, graphic description in there if you want to read about how he died. There's like guts and gore. It's it's worth a read. <laughs> but they replace him with a new guy, and they're waiting. Ten days. They wait for this promise. They've got no idea when it's going to be. Imagine that kind of wait. You've been promised power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, but you wait. And you wait, and you wait ten days. And then we hear when the day of Pentecost comes around. That's not a Christian festival, it's become one, but it was a Jewish festival. It was a celebration, a holiday. And they're all together in one place. Then something amazing begins to happen. We get this word suddenly. Like in every translation of the Bible I could find, Acts 2.2 will start with something like and then suddenly, or suddenly, instantly, in a moment that they weren't expecting, when they just weren't ready, something begins to happen that overloads their senses. Out of nowhere, with the doors and the windows shut, a wind begins to blow. A violent wind. A wind that comes from the direction of heaven, and it seems to some, Fill the room in which they're sat. And then the disciples watch as the wind ignites into flame, and then divides, and then delicately delicately descends to rest on their heads. Imagine, like you've just come round for some food, and then suddenly a violent wind explodes into flames that goes on your head. Imagine being the first one to notice it, and you're like, don't move your heads on fire. Like, imagine. Now, Peter would be freaking out like, well, trying to put his out or something. You know, he's kind of a little bit crazy like that. Don't move. Your head is on fire. And then. They just have never witnessed anything like this. And it makes me think, and I don't know if it's just my mind, but could they feel the wind? Did did the the wind wobble them? Could they feel the heat? Was there anything generated by those flames upon their heads? But all we know in verse 4 it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I have to imagine if I was in the room, it would be everybody else apart from me. Or I'd have been in the toilet when it all kicked off. I'd come in and I'd be like... Fire, fire everywhere. And I'd somehow miss it. But all are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus had promised. As his Holy Spirit filled them, the tongues of fire are soon replaced with new tongues in their mouths. And it's enabling them to do what God, what Jesus had said. It's going to enable them to witness. Everyone is filled and becomes a witness. I don't know at what point they all go outside, but there, because of the festival of Pentecost, like there's people from all over the world. You know, it was the, the command upon Jews that everybody needed, every male at least, needed to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this great feast of Pentecost. And so there's people there from Jerusalem, from Judea, from Samaria, from all the places over the world, and a bunch of places that I can't even pronounce. And there. In this amazing moment, the disciples go out and they begin to share the good news of Jesus. And what's beautiful is everybody hears it in their own language. Supernaturally, they understand. And it's incredible. Imagine the sound of like so many different languages all together declaring the name of Jesus together. The people are bewildered and amazed. How has this happened? And then Peter wants to address the crowd. And it says that he stands next to like the eleven. The disciples, they've come, their moment together. is just about to happen. And Peter stands and with a loud voice begins to preach. What's the difference between a church with power and without? A church with power will be a witnessing church. A church without power will be silent. A church with power will be fearless in its speech. A church without power will be full of fear. You know, it's only days ago that Peter was unable to speak about Jesus. Overwhelmed with fear. remember that moment where Jesus is arrested in the garden and and, and taken into Jerusalem to the temple courts and and Peter follows behind at a bit of a distance and then he sits in in the courtyard by the fire as Jesus is accused and beaten. And then someone comes alongside Peter and says, aren't you one of his disciples? Don't you know who this man is? Peter says no. Not just once but three times. He's utterly wrecked with fear. But now he stands filled with the Holy Spirit and nothing's going to stop his tongue. Nothing's going to stop him from declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. He has the power and strength and might and ability not of his own but of God. Filled with power, Peter becomes a leader. Filled with power, Peter becomes the man that God intended him to be. And that's the promise upon you and upon me. When the Holy Spirit fills us, we become the people that God intended us to be. And so Peter begins to commentate on what is happening. And he shares this ancient prophecy from the prophet Joel. Let me just speak it over you. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's incredible, isn't it wonderful, that in the last days all will be filled. God is pouring out His Spirit on all flesh, like He said He would. And it makes sense. God wants to, uh, all to be witnessed too. And therefore, He will need to pour out His Spirit on all people. A gospel to all the nations is going to need all kinds of people to reach them. It's not just white men that the other Spirit of God is poured out upon. Amen. The Spirit is poured out on all flesh, making all witnesses. Mission and evangelism aren't the elite sport of a small group of radicals, but an anointing upon all of us. Let me say that again. Mission and evangelism isn't an elite sport for a small group of radicals, but an anointing upon all of us. A church with power will be a witnessing church. A church with power will witness about Jesus. Won't be able to contain good news about his life, his death, and his resurrection, and his rescue plan. A church with power will witness to the truth at all costs, like they did at Pentecost. It could have meant their lives and ultimately it would take their lives. But at all costs they have to witness. A church with power will witness with confidence in the gospel, like they did at Pentecost. A church with power will begin to see results like they saw at Pentecost. People will be cut to the heart when they hear the good news of Jesus, like they did at Pentecost. People will repent. People will begin to believe. People will be baptised. And beautifully, the Spirit of God will be poured upon them and they will become witnesses like they did that day in Pentecost. Thousands were added to the church that day. A church with power will become devoted to one another. The power of God unites us. It draws us together. It bonds us. People began to meet together, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was that all about? Because every single day, they wanted to remind themselves about Jesus. Imagine if you've just seen him resurrected. You've seen the spirit outpoured. You want to be around believers where you say, stir me again for Jesus. Tell me again about his death upon the cross. Tell me again about his mercy and his grace. And they kind of got together and stirred each other so much that they just had to go out and witness. As they came together, they were captivated afresh by Jesus. And it spurred them again to witness even their unity and their devotion served as a witness. They were not a holy huddle. Jesus had said to them this in John 13.35 By this, everybody will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Their love and devotion and commitment to Jesus and to one another began to be a witness to those around them. A church with power will break bread Together. And they broke bread together because Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. They were constantly reminding each other every day. You imagine they, they were trying to remember the commands of Christ. And they would have thought about the, the times that they ate together. And that moment where Jesus broke the bread and said this is my body. And every day they would have said let's break the bread again. Let's remember his broken body. Let's remember his grace and his mercy. The grace and mercy displayed in Christ. And his death for sin. And they are constantly recharging each other for Witness. Get around people who are going to recharge you and ready you for witness. A church with power. A church with power will be devoted to one another. Will break bread and remind each other of Christ. A church with power will see signs and wonders. And you know what? The church can get so caught up in in holding on to these signs and wonders, but they're not really for the church. They're for witness. Witness. They serve as a witness. They sold their possessions and, and, oh so I've jumped a little bit. The miracles gave them opportunities to testify to the goodness of God. To testify to his power and the coming kingdom that would restore all things. And so miracles followed their witness and their witness followed their miracles because it all pointed to the goodness of God. A church with power will be glad and generous this too served as a witness they sold their possessions to provide for those in need and it came almost as like an overflow of God's grace when you realise all that Jesus has done for you it's generosity that flows from this. When you realise uh, the lengths that he went in order to rescue and save all your possessions belong to him. And you can give them away to those in need. And even in their generosity, they began to witness to the goodness and the generosity of God. A.W. Tozer said these harrowing words. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. I don't know about you, but I want to be in a church that would stop if the Holy Spirit stopped being present. I want to be in a church that knows the power of the Spirit. I want to be in a church that just can't help but to witness to the goodness of God. I want to be in a church that constantly reminds me about Christ. About his mercy and his grace. I want to be in a church that is united around Christ. I want to be in a church that is known for being glad and for being generous. Can you say today that you can witness to what God has done in your life? I hope you can. And if you can't, let's ask for his help. God is a good God who gives generous gifts and will not hold anything from his children. And he says he will pour out his spirit on us. And so we've got to ask him again, Lord, fill us and make us ready that we can be witnesses to the saving grace of Christ. I want to be in a church where the spirit is poured out on all flesh. On all flesh, on each of you, whether young or old or male or female, from any race or tongue. I want to be in a church that's ready to receive the Spirit of God. And so let's welcome him now. Let's do it. Why don't you just open your hands. There's not an instruction from the Bible, but we want to say to Jesus this morning, we want to receive again from you. Lord, we recognise that without you we are nothing. Without you we don't have what it takes. And so we say, come Holy Spirit. Fall afresh on us. Fill us with a new understanding of your grace and your mercy this morning.